Fab Lab Podcast, employee roles, potential, and retention. Welcome to the Fab Lab, the stone industry's only podcast dedicated exclusively to the business side of your stone shop, where we focus on improving operations inside the business so we can experience more life outside of it. So let's get down to business. Welcome back to another episode of the Fab Lab Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Crowley, here with my co-host... Wesley Rice. Yeah, you <laughs> forgot how that worked. It's been so long since you've been on. Uh, it's great to be back. Yeah, it's been like six episodes. It has been so crazy. I'm so glad that you're back. Yeah, it's great to be back on and looking forward to this topic, you know, with roles and just the roles that the owner plays in today's episode with the roles of the employee. Yeah. Do you think we can do this? Can we get back into the swing of things? Can we have this conversation <laughs> naturally and genuinely? One way to find out. Let's roll. <laughs> Let's get into it. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, want to talk about you know the roles that our employees play in the company. In the last few episodes, we've talked about the roles that the owner plays, and I've just kind of been talking about my experience, how my role's been shifting within the business, and and discovering, kind of identifying. Gosh, I've been stuck. I've been I'm assuming some roles that I'm really not well suited for, and the company's been suffering at the expense of you know, doing some work that actually could really impact the business in a positive way, and just working out of that and into that to maximize the impact that it has on the business. And same thing is true, just like you said, for employees. And so this this, this came up as a result of a conversation our management team had. We were discussing uh, the SWOT analysis, this sort of systematic exercise where we assessed, you know, the strengths that we've got, the weaknesses that we have, the opportunities that are available to us, and the threats that we're facing. And Kind of a you know two or three meetings we had and we, we we went through this really extensively and then we created some plans we identified the ones that we really needed to deal with and then we had some plans to to solve those problems or to take advantage of those opportunities and one of them was what happens if we lose a key employee and uh, you know we sat back and we considered that and it was kind of scary you know realizing wow what happens if someone moves on someone changes careers someone you know gets injured all these scenarios that could happen if we lost a key employee being as busy as we are, it would be a tremendously negative impact on the business. And so that's sort of been in the back of my mind. But as we've been talking about this role conversation, this just was brought back to my mind discussing or or thinking about it's not just the potential loss of an employee that, that we need to consider. We need to consider the other side of that, the amazing potential, the amazing value. If, if we would experience that kind of negative loss if an employee moved on, we have to consider just how valuable they are. And so they are, you know, when I say they, employees, I think we need to consider every bit as much the roles that they play in the business even to the same degree that we discuss as owners, what, what role we play in the business, because we all have massive potential to impact the business in a positive way, so long as that we're in the right role. And so as we were discussing this, you know, you look at that and you go, gosh, if you're in the wrong role, your potential is probably not being realized. Same thing is true for employees. But then kind of getting back to this other question about, you know, retention, what happens if we lose an employee right now? I mean, the, the, the labor market's crazy. It's, it, it's, everybody's experiencing it. It, it. There's a shortage of talented, um, hardworking, disciplined you know, workers in the marketplace right now. And so it's even that much more important that we retain the great employees that we've got. So I think that if we can get people into the right roles so that they are experiencing their potential, the retention kind of solves itself mm-hmm. because I think you reduce greatly the likelihood that someone moves on 
if they're in the role that suits them really well and they're realizing their potential. And so, ladies and gentlemen, Wes, what do you think? Is this a worthwhile topic? Absolutely. I think it's going to be it's going to resonate well with the audience and I think they can relate to it. Yeah. So. Well, before we get to that, I want to mention a word from our sponsor. This episode's sponsor is MoreAware. MoreAware.com. MoreAware is the industry-leading software for running, managing a stone shop. This was not something taken from another industry and adapted to stone fabrication. This was exclusively designed for owners of stone shops to more effectively manage the business. From the quote, through production, into installation, the scheduling, it is a fantastic program. If you want to grow your stone shop, if you want to increase the efficiency of managing your stone shop, you have to have MoreAware. Now, interestingly enough, just case in point, real time, yesterday in our management team meeting, we discussed sales, and we were discussing the fact that the volume of quotes coming in right now is exceeding our estimator's ability to keep up with it. Now, the great thing about MoreAware is because we have developed our process for estimating within MoreAware, it's not this mysterious. It's not this gut level. It's not one person who learns how to do it and they know everything and they're the only one who can do it. The fact that we've got our estimating in MoreAware means it can be duplicated. We have to hire somebody. We have to train them, but there's something to train them on. And so we could have two people following the exact same process, producing the exact same result, uniform, consistent, and predictable, which allows us to manage it, which makes it vastly more successful that we could add that you know position to the sales department and continue to be successful without a hiccup, without a you know deviation or, or, or getting these random results or these odd quotes. Moreware helps us manage that more effectively. In fact, it helps us manage everything else following that, from converting that quote to a lead where we're following up on it, from converting that follow-up to a closed sale and turning it into a job, putting it on the schedule, scheduling the template, the cutting, fabrication, installation, follow-up, return trips, everything is able to be managed within MoreAware. Everybody in the company has access to that information. If you have a stone shop and you don't have MoreAware, you have to visit MoreAware. Okay, so back to our topic, talking about the roles our employees fill, the potential they might be capable of, and ultimately retaining them. So there's three aspects of this I want to touch on today. Number one is the belief that we have about our employees. Equally important to the conversation in terms of what we believe about ourselves, we got to assess what we believe about our staff. Number two, we got to kind of talk about trust. You know, what degree do we trust our employees? Do we really trust our employees? And what effect is that degree of trust going to have on the roles that they fill and the potential that they achieve? And then lastly, assessing really the, the skills that they bring to the table and aligning that with the work that they could be doing or should be doing to realize their potential and ultimately give them fulfillment so that they do stick around. So those three topics, number one, belief. So how do we talk about beliefs? What do we believe about our employees? Well, how do you solve that? How, how do you look at your beliefs and how do you, how would you go approaching that as an owner? Like how do you, how do you become conscious of your beliefs? Because you might not be aware of them. Yeah, well, I think oftentimes they're subconscious. We form beliefs based on experience, by observation that usually is limited without all the information. And so I think we got to ask ourselves some questions. You got to stop because a lot of times it's, it's, it's subconscious. It's, it's default. It's second nature. We drift into certain types of thinking and we may not realize the effect that it's actually having on the way we view the world and the decisions that we're making. That's true because there could be two levels of beliefs. There's the beliefs I think I have in the action. And there's <laughs> yeah. the level of the beliefs that I do have. Yeah. And sometimes they're in line, sometimes they're not. Yeah. So answer that question. How do you expose that? How do you mm -hmm. discover that? Yeah. I, I think you ask yourself a couple of questions. So number one, it, it, 
do I have a condescending view? This is a really simple, really basic, kind of black and white, blunt question. Have I developed a condescending view of my employees? Do I somehow, is there an element of superiority mm. in the way I, what I not just believe about myself, I believe I'm better, but by saying that, you're, you're saying, I believe my employees are less. Mm. You know that Declaration of Independence, all men are created equal with certain unalienable rights. I believe that's true. But we can easily, because of the positions that we hold, you know, as an owner and an employee, I sign your check. Mm-hmm. We, we, can, we can adopt a, a, in not a malicious way, but we can just drift into this that I'm above, I'm a higher, I'm the one, I, 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 me, me, me. If it wasn't for me, you know, you could develop a condescending view. You can look down at your employees. A manager can develop the same sort of mm-hmm. uh, belief system. If they've been promoted out of a certain role, now I'm a manager, now you report to me. You can develop a... And on some level, that's just human nature. You just do it, and if you're not conscious of it, you could easily drift into that. Yeah, so that's number one. Have I developed a condescending view? Now, here's another question, and this is more about assessing how we respond to certain mm. situations. What sort of default reactions have developed is going to tell us maybe more about what we actually believe about our employees. So let's just say here's a scenario. You know, back in the day, you're templating. I get a call from a customer. Your templater was rude. He rushed. He wasn't listening to me. And he refused to take his shoes off at the door saying he would not do that. Okay, that's happened like 10,000 times. We've had feedback from customers about employees that have been on site. Sometimes their assessment's accurate. Sometimes it's questionable. And other times we know that's, there's no, okay, with other employees, I might believe that, <laughs> you know, but with this one, there's no way. So what is our default response in that situation? Is it to believe the best? There's a scenario where, you know, our auto response to that hypothetical situation is going to tell us a little bit about how we view our employees. What do we believe about them? I believe that, and by and large, nah, I'm sorry, until I talk to that employee, I'm not willing to take your word for it, Mrs. Mm-hmm. Customer. I, I, I have a higher belief about my employees, about what they would do and what they're capable of. Or the opposite might be blow up, you know, fly off the handle, blow up, how dare you, where there mm-hmm. could be an entirely different side of the story. And I'm not, I don't want to talk about the situation. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about the default response. What's my default response in that type of a situation? Do I believe the best about my employees? And that's such a great question because when you ask that, there's multiple times throughout the day, throughout the week, mm-hmm. where if you stop and think, is that is that true? Well, if you don't know, look at your beliefs and what was your gut reaction? Yep. And that could highlight something that's uncomfortable. Yeah, and a lot. And we hear and think enough things throughout the week that there's ample opportunity to test this yeah <laughs> to gauge how we respond mm-hmm. do we believe the best about our employees the second question is related but it's it's different enough i think it, it bears mentioning do we give our employees the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. are we willing to suspend judgment in those situations long enough to and again we're not talking about how to deal with those situations yeah. we're just talking about how to uncover what we believe about our employees if i believe so highly if I believe my employees are, I would never do that. And I don't think my employees would do that either. So we, we, I want to make sure we don't go down this rabbit trail talking yeah. about this situation mm-hmm. because the larger point here, this belief, why this is so important is that if we take a dim view, if we have a low belief 
about our employees. If we have a condescending view, looking down our nose, here's the problem with that. It blinds us to the employee's potential. We become less likely to actually see if we're operating from, I don't believe the best, I always assume the worst. If I never give them the benefit of the doubt, if I'm always taking everybody else's word for it, that's an indication that we have taken a low view of that individual. And if we're taking that view, we are now blinding ourselves to what they are capable of. That's the problem here. It's a limiting belief on their potential. And that's what we're talking about here, the role and the potential and ultimately the retention. And so that's why we got to ask these questions of ourselves and to, to discover that because if our company is going to reach its full potential, we got to have everybody reaching their potential individually in the roles that they're filling. If you're running your company and everyone's at their max potential, oh, imagine dude. the opportunities that you're flying. Now. Yes. You're flying. Okay, so let's talk about that. This is like putting belief into action. Now we're going to talk about trust, which is related. It's not unrelated, but it's different. It's one thing to say, I believe you're capable of doing this. It's an entirely another thing to entrust them yeah. <laughs> with the work, with the responsibility, and with the potential outcome of filling that role, doing that work, being responsible for that task. So, okay, I believe, yeah, I believe about them. All right, well, let's test that. Do you trust them? In, in the same way, there's some questions that we can ask about ourselves. Let me ask you this. Has there ever been a time when, when you felt like someone didn't trust you? Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> how, did that, how did that affect your performance? How did that affect your, your sense of freedom to fully lean into the work that you were responsible for doing? It served as a distraction. Doubted myself as opposed to when someone's like, yeah, I trust you to do that. I'm not even going to micromanage you. I'm, not, I'm just going to let you run with it. Then I can take ownership. I know I got the freedom to just take off and do it. And it's not because if you have that distrust hanging over you, it's you for it's a restraint or it a, is. it's a constraint. Mm -hmm. There's that apprehension. There's that hesitation. Okay, this, I got to make sure, really sure he. I know he doesn't really trust me. So I I got I'm walking on eggshells here. Mm -hmm. Someone can't just fully throw themselves. There's no you know um, abandon you know to where they're just all in full steam ahead reaching their potential if there's that it, it's a it's a drag because they talk about if you put that crown above their head you let them to rise to it you're like yeah i trust you this is gonna you're gonna fulfill your potential most people are like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna not let him down and i'm gonna not let her down yep you know which comes back if you believe your employees will rise to the occasion if you start with that high belief then that trust is well placed but you can believe about that. But if you don't trust them, then it's it's limited. And so you mentioned micromanaging, kind of talking about the questions that we you know we we asked in the last point. I think the same thing is true here. We can ask a couple of questions to to, to help us discover whether or not we really trust our employees or not. Number one, do I tend to micromanage? Am I unwilling to let go? Am I always hovering? Am I always double checking? Am I you know am I unwilling to really give that person the freedom to do? the work that they're responsible for. Yeah, because if you're micromanaging somebody, does anybody like that? <laughs> Do you like being micromanaged? I don't. I'm so terribly you know, unable to deal with the details, it would do me no good to micromanage anybody. <laughs> well, and, and here's the reality. A lot of times it's high stakes. You make yeah. a miscut on a slab of you know, fusion, mm -hmm. it's 4,500 bucks. Uh, yeah. it, it, it's not to say that we shouldn't be aware and we shouldn't be concerned and that there aren't. But there's a difference between setting somebody up, training them and letting them fly 
and then setting somebody up and you can just continue to micromanage them and never let them because uh, once you train them you should be able to trust them and let them run and do their job yep but if you're micromanaging that's maybe that you don't actually trust them even though they are capable of doing the work yeah and again we got to make sure we're not getting off onto a rabbit trail about yeah, you yeah. know training which yeah. is fine <laughs> but it's a way of exposing do we trust our employees or not and, and the fact is People have to be trustworthy. There's got to be a demonstration. If I mean, some people aren't trustworthy, and yeah. it, it would be dangerous to give them too much trust. So the assumption is, is you've got people that are trustworthy. It's whether or not you can entrust them yeah. with that work. Mm-hmm. So here's another question to ask yourself. Are there tasks that you're unwilling to let go of? Because you're micromanaging the work that you have delegated to somebody. Now let's talk about, uh, is there certain work you're not willing to let somebody do because the stakes are so high? It's another indication that you have a hard time trusting. Maybe that gets back to what you believe about what are they capable. I'm not going to let you program this thing. The stakes are too high. I can't let you crash the machine and we can't let you crash the piece. Well, there may be five people in your company that are very capable of doing that task, but you may not be willing to entrust them because you are operating out of fear. And so, again, a couple of questions. Are you micromanaging and are there tasks you're unwilling to let go of because of you know, a fear that you have about a negative outcome. Those are going to, you got to deal with those. If you're going to let people move fully into the roles where they're going to be the most successful and ultimately reach their potential, you've got to fully trust them to do that work. So let's talk about the roles themselves. Let's talk about how the, 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 the combination of those skills, those capabilities, those capacities, those gifts, those talents that I think all of us as owners and managers would go, yeah, well, heck yeah, I've got those. Kind of touching on the belief mm-hmm. here, we have to believe that our employees have those as well, mm-hmm. that they have certain aptitudes that suit them for certain work, and in some cases, they're not suited for other work. And so we've got to be able to stop long enough and assess, how do I make sure that I understand the skills, the aptitudes, the potential that they have, and work to put them into a role that fully utilizes what they bring to the table? We've seen this oftentimes in the shop. You know, we see it in the field. We see it in the sales department. You see people that, that, that are in a role that just, it, it's, it's like slogging through molasses. They're working at it, but the results just aren't there. They're not happy. It's an indication that they're in the wrong, wrong role. Because I, 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 there's that, um, what is it, that, that story of the fish trying to climb a tree. And they're like, <laughs> well, that that fish is obviously a moron because it can't climb a tree. Well, it's not what that fish is designed for. You put that right. fish in the water, it's going to, that's what it's made It's going to thrive. And I think the same thing for people. You know, yep. some guys will work really well with their hands. Yeah. And they put them in a different role where they have to be maybe selling something. Well, that's not their, that's not their gift. Because there's different types of intelligence that people yep. have. You know, some are, um, you know, look at people who can play piano or people who can lead or people who can craft things or design things. You know, everyone has different aptitudes yeah and so when you're assessing this you're looking you you take this belief okay i believe this guy's got this guy obviously has potential why isn't he succeeding in this role why isn't he enjoying the work that he's doing why doesn't he seem like because you know you've seen those people we've got some people that definitely fit this role they just absolutely love the work that they do and and i'm going i would go crazy if i was doing that eight (laughs) hours a day and yet this individual not only seems to enjoy it they excel at it and the work that they produce is like way above average we got a particular guy out in the shop that if he ever moved on we would probably have to hire two people to replace Mm -hmm. him because he is so productive in that role and he loves it and he does it day after day week after week month after month year after year 
He's in that role, and his potential is extraordinary. Well, just to see someone taking joy, having joy in a role yep. that you might really, really hate, it, it just seems weird, you know? So yep. if you see an employee, it's like, well, that's the job that nobody wants to do. Well, it could be a job that some good somebody loves to do. And they, and, and here's and, a scenario. in the, in the the So if somebody's not producing results, if they're not experiencing that joy and that fulfillment, and they're not they're obviously not reaching potential – Getting back to the beliefs, what do I believe? I believe that guy's got tremendous potential. Mm -hmm. Is it possible we just have him in the wrong role? Trying to match him up with the right yeah. position. So we've got to be able to assess. It's, that's that whole idea. Mm -hmm. Now you got him on the you got him on the bus. They're yeah. just not in the right seat. Mm -hmm. So how do we assess? How do we uncover and discover? That's a little bit more of a lengthy you know process of, mm -hmm. of actually sitting down and talking about people, evaluating what are the roles they've been in in the past, evaluating what interests them. They may even have an indication, an inclination. I've been over here polishing for two years, and I've been doing it, but man, it's work. But you know what I really want to do? I've been salivating over operating that piece of equipment. I'd love to get out in the field. They may have an indication. They just have maybe never had the opportunity to express mm -hmm. that. They may subconsciously realize it, but they haven't ever processed it to go or have become comfortable enough. There may not be an environment where they feel safe saying, yeah. is there any chance I could maybe move laterally or up or down into a different role? So I, th I think that's the best place to start if you're going to talk about how do you get your employees into the right roles. If they're in that role, great. Mm -hmm. Don't upset the apple cart. But if you got somebody who's not thriving, how do you get them into a role where they will thrive? Because you don't want to lose a good employee you you want to retain people that you trust and that's the key yeah it, retain those good people because you find them in the right position and if you get the right person a good person in the right job again the, the potential is unlimited yeah so imagine if everybody in the company like everybody was in that sweet spot now it might be hard to imagine it's like how would i do that how would i <laughs> how would i fill that role if he goes to that role i gotta fill that role yeah that's a fact mm -hmm. it, it is easier said than done but once it's done, imagine the potential, and that's what we're talking about here, roles, potential, and retention. What the company is capable of, what the individual is capable of. Imagine the environment, how that would shift if you had twice as many people in those roles that they enjoyed, that they loved, that they thrived in, and they were, like you're saying, I'm going to set the bar, and I'm going to trust you to reach it. What if everybody's bar was higher than it currently is. And it could be because they're in the role that they're suited for. Mm -hmm. How much more productivity? What if my installers were producing the same kind of, and in a lot of ways they are, mm -hmm. but but I think of other roles where we don't quite have that same level of productivity and output that this one particular individual has. What if everybody in the company was operating like that? It would be incredible. The likelihood of people leaving yeah. a role that they are entrusted to that they love doing that they excel at and they're reaching their full, full potential and they recognize the contribution that it's making to the company yes, yes. the likelihood that somebody is going to leave that situation is, is a lot lower than otherwise where they're in this role going why do i hate what i'm doing gosh you know what there's a sawyer position open at this other shop and they move on and, they, and they, they get a pay raise to do something that they love. And this other company ends up benefiting, mm. you know, from mm -hmm. their passion, from their mm -hmm. skill, from their potential. So as we wrap this up, like I said, it's, it's easier said than done. It is. Yes. But, but these are things that we really got to keep in mind in this economy, in this marketplace. If we want to maximize the potential of the company, we got to understand that just like ourselves as owners and managers with gifts, skills and talents, we've got to believe their employees have those too. Yeah. 
we've got to get ourselves to a place where we can trust them with that work and we got to understand how do we organize them how do we move them into roles where they're going to thrive where that full potential is going to be realized it might be a little bit of a rocky road initially but the end the goal is absolutely or the end result is absolutely worth it yeah it is a rocky road and you know to that point you know some of the things that we talk about here on the fab lab podcast some of the resources that we've got at aaroncrowley.com just want to mention that that's a resource that is an option as you begin working through this as you begin navigating this for yourself as an owner and the implementation of this for your staff, know that you can go to AaronCrowley.com and check out some of our resources. Number one, there's the Stone, the Stone Shop Business Assessment. It is a 20-point assessment tool. It's free. You click on it. You fill out the assessment. It sends you the results. It gives you some insight into some of this stuff as to how your operation is functioning start to finish. You included, fellow Stone Shop owner, fellow department manager. Number two, you can reach out to me if you've got questions about this, if you'd like to explore this as I'm moving into my role where I thrive and excel and actually make a much bigger impact. You can reach out to me and we can have a conversation if that is something that you'd like to do. I invite you to do that. And so, ladies and gentlemen, Wes, so glad that you're back on the podcast. So glad that we're back uh, getting, remembering how to have a conversation (laughs) again with the microphones on and the record button hit. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope you've enjoyed Wes and I getting back into the <laughs> the, the, the studio together. I hope you will visit moreware.com, that you will support the sponsors that make the podcast possible. There is a cost associated with producing this podcast. And if you'll support our sponsors, moreware.com, the Stone Fabricators Alliance, fabricatorsfriend.com, and No Lift Install System, it allows us to continue to do what we're doing to serve you, our fellow fabricators. And so, ladies and gentlemen, know that there'll be another episode next week. Until then, happy fabricating.